You're listening to the Dental Sherpas Podcast, where we make it easier to transform your practice, get out of the chair, and into the life you want. Hey, docs. Dr. Sed Lewis here. We're always looking to add great docs to our team. What we have created is a practice that's literally built for you to shine. Hey, and guess what? You get to practice dentistry in paradise here in Hawaii. If you're at all interested and are exploring a position in our practice, please contact me at Dr. Lewis at KakuaSmiles.com. That's Dr. Period Lewis, L E W I S, at Kokua, K O K U A, smiles.com. Love to hear from you. Can't wait to speak to you. Hey, folks. It's good to have you back on another episode of the Dental Sherpas podcast. Hope things are going really well in your life. And as always, it's Matt Kennedy here with my great friend and co host, Dr. Cedric Lewis, out in Honolulu, Hawaii. How you doing out there, Cedric? I'm great, Matt. I'm liking the five o'clock shadow you got running today. Yes, this rugged. is. Yeah, we're recording this on July 5th, and my wife and I went to the mountains uh, over the weekend, and then we had July 4th, and uh, so I'm rocking my Independence Day. Uh, I'm exercising my freedom to grow yeah. a little stubble here, uh, and that's one of the small ways I'm celebrating Independence Day here. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> celebrating mine with the extra five pounds I'm carrying after the barbecue yesterday. That's how I'm celebrating <laughs> <laughs> I know. I promised myself I wasn't going to do any dessert. And uh, one of our neighbors brought in this ice cream cake, all these oh. layers and stuff. And I looked at her and I, she looked at me and I said, well, happy birthday, America. Put some candles <laughs> on it. And, you know, <laughs> as somebody once told me, listen, you know, calories don't go to your gut on holidays. They go to your heart. Absolutely. So, uh, so that's what that's what I'm assuming there. So we hope everybody had uh, a great Independence uh, Day celebration uh, out there. What did you What did you guys do? You had a barbecue? Did you shoot some? Yeah, fireworks? I had a barbecue at the uh, the in laws' home and had a you know my wife makes the best burgers in Hawaii, so I was excited uh, to have that. She's a great cook and uh, had a great time just with my son and my family. Enjoyed the uh, the wonderful weather we had and uh, yeah. probably had a few too many burgers in my day, but uh, hey. like you said before, it was to the heart, not to the belly. That's exactly right. Not on holidays. Not on holidays. Calories go to different places. So, well, I think we've got a great episode. We were just talking uh, off air before we jumped on that. Uh, you know, this is really something that that we we want to be very actionable for uh, our listeners out there. And so, originally, my thought was, hey, let's talk through. You know, if you um, want to re-engineer your practice to the model that we have been talking about. I just posed the question to you, what are the first things that you would do, right? So, hey, I want to re-engineer my practice. What's kind of a quick start guide to get things moving and change the momentum? And boy, just in our conversation, you took it in a totally diff different direction than I was thinking at the very beginning, because one of the things that you said was, well, first you have to make a decision that you want to change, so speak to that here for just a little bit. The first thing you need to do is, and we go back to this a lot, yeah. um, is, is your mindset and make sure yeah. that you're on board and are very clear on what you want to do. Speak to that a little bit, said uh, like we, we were talking a minute ago. Yeah, and the reason I brought that up is it happens so often in conversations I have with doctors when I meet these guys across the country who oftentimes ask, well, how you do your practice? What have you done? And I said, well, how do I do it for my own practice? And I'm always kind of leading with like, well, what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? Because I often hear the similar types of reports. Like I want to make more money. I want more time away from the practice. I want more balance. And I'm always kind of saying, well, how do you think that's going to happen? Do you want to keep your model? Do you want to bring on more doctors? Do you want to bring a partner? What are your goals? And many just kind of 
look at me with a blank stare. I just want to make more money. I want more time off. I want more balance. And I'm like, well, the first thing you do is make a decision on what you want, how you want to accomplish that. And what I find interesting is that when many are given that question, they really haven't thought about it. They just kind of have thought in their mind, well, I just need to produce more dentistry. I just need to find ways to make more money. I need to find some kind of, you know, some real nice small effort to kind of make a small tweak here and there. And it all, it all changed. And my comment to them is always like, no, it's not a small tweak. Right. It's a, it's a transformation. Yeah. And so what I have found is, you know, when we talk about the guy, let's say, for example, let's, I think we spoke of this off the podcast, Matt, when I find the individual who has a solo practice and their goal is to do the things I've talked about, make more money, more time away from the practice, get the balance they want. They're oftentimes saying themselves, well, I don't want to bring on more doctors. I don't want that complication. I don't want to have anything that changes the, the blueprint of my business. I just want to be more production oriented. And my comment to them always is, okay, well, you can potentially do that, but you're really creating, you know, the, the owner, the owner paradox, which is that you're going to become essentially the bottleneck of your practice because what you have to do in order to kind of create that production or what and create that kind of level of success is you're going to create a much more successful practice. And that successful practice will be based upon your performance. Mm. And so one of the things I had a good conversation with Matt about off air was the idea, let's say a perfect, you know, straightforward example. If I was going to give something anecdotal that would really make a big difference in people's production of the practice, how to go about immediately changing it is to focus on your hygiene, for example. Let's use that as an example. And let's say we tell this individual, let's get you a lot more focused on trying to open hygiene capacity. Let's make sure that you're doing an examination for every hygiene visit that comes to your business. And that will allow you a very predictable manner of trying to find ways to raise production in your practice. However, here's the great paradox with that. When you do those things, and let's say you're very successful at doing it, you now have created your own bottleneck because now you've literally created a situation where you now have a situation where you have to actually manage that hygiene growth. You have to manage that production, which means that every month in the practice as the company grows, you've got more and more on your plate to manage. You've got more and more on your, more on your plate to address. Built into that growth of your business becomes more people to bring on board, more complexities, more issues, more challenges that are going to become expenses to the business. And so what I'm always kind of trying to convey to doctors is that this belief that you're just going to make a few tweaks and just raise production without it really affecting how you are going to be able to meet your goals, I think is misguided. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things I was just sitting here thinking about is that, you know, as a financial advisor, we're, I'm always trying to look or trying to help folks look way down the road, right? And say, hey, the things that we do today are going to really show up 30 years from today or 20 years mm -hmm. from today to have this really long-term view. And so one of the things that so drew me to dentistry and, and so drew me to understanding the operational side of the dental practice and how to treat that as an asset that you can actually invest in and increase the value of the asset is because I started looking down the road 20, 30 years with doctors and recognizing the fact that, you know, as we've said on the podcast before, that dentistry is so profitable many times, a lot of times for that solo practitioner that they think that every dollar that they make in production is just an extra 40 cents that they get to bring home, right? So they go, yep. hey, the way out of the chair is just to make more money mm -hmm. and to increase my production because I'm just going to get 40 cents more in my pocket 
for every dollar extra that we bring in. And so, man, maybe I can, and there's lots of schools out there, lots of coaches right. out there teaching this that increase mm -hmm. that production. And then you can go from five days to four days and then four right. days to three days that your office is open, right? You can right. shut it down because you're just making more and you're getting more money in your pocket. Yep. But if you, yep. and that can be true, right? I mean, that that's yep. like, you know, hey, mm -hmm. I can eat the ice cream today, <laughs> but yep. if I eat ice cream every day, 30 right. years from now, you know, I'm gonna have trouble finding pants that fit, right? Yeah. The same yeah. is true like with our practice and with our business. If I'm looking down the road 30 years, what I'm hearing you describe is what we just call that owner's trap. That I may be increasing my revenue today, but down the road, what's your vision and what's your plan? And the yep. doctors that I see, that I talk to most of the time, their vision, their plan is to take some of that money, set it aside in investments, grow that practice just from the production side, and then sell it. And the proceeds of that practice sale and the outside investments will be enough to, you know, carry them on through their life you know, in, you know, what folks call retirement, right? And so, but, but what ends up happening is, is there's that great paradox that you talk about, that the more you produce and that production is resting just on your shoulders, you're actually in many ways devaluing the practice, right? Talk about, talk right. about that a little bit. Yeah, and that's, and that's really the one thing that doesn't get talked about enough. It's like, to Matt's point, is that you can be incredibly successful. I, I talked about this with Matt, I believe, in a prior podcast. When I, had, I met a doctor here in Hawaii, incredibly successful, solo practitioner who has an overhead now of probably about 40%. So he's basically making 60 cents on a dollar. Incredibly well-designed um, practice in which he's doing incredibly well on, on the fact that he's a great clinician, extremely good on expense control. But the challenge being, and I was asking this guy, like, why are you talking to me for? You sound like you're doing pretty darn well. And his comment to me was, I think what many of you need to understand is that it's all on his shoulders, meaning that he has essentially created a phenomenally well-paid job. He's yeah. paid, paying extremely well for what he does, but the business itself is completely contingent upon him and his performance, meaning this is what got us to really gave him an, an idea to really think about his situation when he goes on vacation, right? He takes off two weeks to go with his wife and they go scuba diving, let's say, for example, in Kauai. He is essentially understanding that for those two weeks, there's no money coming in, which means when he comes back, he needs to make that up in some capacity. He's extra working really hard to make that happen. And also what he's figuring out is that he has no means out. Like, for example, his exit plan, he's my age. He's about 53 years old. I'm 52. He's 53. And his potential belief is that, well, I don't really want to bring another associate on. There's just no way that guy's going to be able to keep the numbers I have and it would add more expense to me. And then my, my, my 60%, sorry, my 40% overhead immediately goes up and I can't control it. I'm getting less money out of it. So the whole model becomes contingent upon what he brings to the table. And more importantly, he's starting now to see the picture that the better he does as a performer on a solo practice, the more stress he puts on his future. To Matt's point, that's what doctors don't do enough, I don't think. They don't play out the performa. They don't play out what this is going to do for several years. They play out the short game, which is going to be like, hey, man, I'm going to make so much more money here. But the reality is, and we talked about this before, Matt, it's like there's only so many years you can be a grinder and do this kind of dentistry before your right. body breaks down, before your mental health breaks down, before your, your relationships with your family and friends break down. Because in order to really get granular about what it takes to be that extremely high producer in a solo practice, all of you know this who are doing that. It takes a lot away from everything else in your life. And if right. you don't believe that, talk to any guy who's a really high producing solo practitioner out there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's really, you know, there's a reason that um, the ADA reports, the recent uh, stat that I saw was that 90% of all dentists retire on significantly less income than they had while they were working. And the reason is because it's almost, I mean, I've done the math. We can talk about this on another podcast, but I mean, unless you get in on the ground floor of an apple or something like that, it's <laughs> impossible to save enough money to earn a passive income that replaces what you can do in your dental practice, right? right. Um, doing the solo practice model. I, I do exactly. want to say that caveat, right? Right. Um, right? Because that solo practice model, as we know, it's all on your shoulders, just like you just said. Mm -hmm. um, and because it's all on your shoulders, somebody's not going to pay top dollar to buy your practice. Essentially, yep. what are they buying? They're just buying some equipment. They're yep. buying some goodwill in the community. They're mm -hmm. buying, you know, some patient records, but they don't really know how many of those patients are going to stick around, yeah. you know, so they're it actually end up going to give you, you know, 60 to 80 cents on the dollar of last year's collections at most uh, for that practice. And so, just, you know, deciding that that's going to be your path, that just increasing production collections, what we're trying to say to you out there is that, man, that can feel really good in the short term. We totally get it. Um, you know, it tastes really good. You know, your lifestyle can increase and all those kinds of things. But the long term view is that you're actually trapping yourself and devaluing and could end up blocking what you really hope for in the future. And you and I've both seen it, right? I've had yep. conversations with folks who are, you know, much closer to that future than you or I, and boy, they have a lot of regret in their voice, you know, oh, yeah. uh, and they have a lot of sadness and a lot of their plans are to, hey, I'm just going to keep working until I can't, you know, get in there anymore. I'm going to die in the chair. I've heard that said, you know, multiple times. Yeah. And that's, you know, and I'm glad we're talking about this. That's kind of the thing. I really, I think that's one of the genesis the reason why we started talking about making this podcast together is because that is the the fundamental reality for those of you who are out in the solo practitioners. I mean, it sounds as though we're pushing an agenda, which essentially we are, but the agenda is to get people out of pain. The problem is that there's so many people who look at the environment where I'm just going to create a better mousetrap and create a better means of me making more money with me in the chair and cutting costs and doing everything possible to make more of that percentage of the dollar coming into the practice. But if there is really no plan put in place to kind of create a scenario where you can actually turn that business, turn that practice into something that's going to provide you some level of exit so that you're going to be taken care of outside of dentistry, that's where I get really nervous for so many people out of there because everything that's being taught to dentists in regards to, I shouldn't say everything, but a large faction of what's being taught to dentists out there is how to basically be more productive, you know, per procedure, um, basically designing consultancies based on trying to make you more profitable in the short run. But the fact is, if you're setting yourself up to be basically creating a business, which is going to be valued on what you bring to the table, not so much on what the business represents to a potential buyer or investor, you're essentially creating, just like Matt said, you're creating that owner's trap because when that comes down, this happens more and more down. And I've seen this myself as I'm actually going through a scenario where I'm looking at other practices to potentially acquire that when I look at these businesses, these guys don't really realize it. And I'm usually the first to explain that to them is that, listen, I'm not buying you. You know, if you, right. you're not going to be around the next five, 10 years right. for me to basically build a business off you, you're handing me a practice. And once you've gone, 
once you're gone, your practice isn't worth much because I need to find another dentist who's going to do what you did. Right. And more importantly, it's going to be a bigger challenge for me because you've been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years. And suddenly I'm taking over a practice, which may not basically keep the patients, which may not keep your staff. And so what these dentists have to come to a stark realization, whether it's from me saying it, or from an investor, from a DSO buyer, from let's say an associate who's buying from them, the concern always is, is that it is highly, highly, I hate to say this, predictable that your practice is nowhere near what you think it's worth. Right. That's a really sad fact about this whole thing. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's even, I mean, it's the genesis behind, or maybe it's it's maybe we should say it like this. It, it's kind of behind what's happening behind the curtain with these DSO buyers, right? They're coming in and creating, you know, it's a it's a brilliant marketing name, dental services organization. Hey, all that stuff that you struggle with, you know, the administrative stuff, the insurance billing, you know, call center stuff, all that stuff. We've created an organization that'll provide those services, you know, to you sell a portion or the majority or all of your practice over to us. And we're going to take care of that. Well, yes, that is helping the doctor. But the reason they're doing that is because they understand what you and I are talking about is that if they can then create a business that looks differently than the solo, uh, the solo owner practice, then that changes the game in terms of that asset uh, and the value of that, right? So, so really, I think what, what we're trying to say here, if I can just kind of sum it up, and I want your thoughts on this as well, is sure. that we're hoping to give you some reasons or really imploring you to find some reasons to change, because we understand that change is hard, right? Mm -hmm. You're having to create new habits, you're having to shift your mindset around you being the, the practitioner to being more of the leader. We've talked about that on podcasts, and we'll continue talking about that. But there has to be kind of a, a reason and an impetus to that change. And we're hoping that maybe in our words here, you can find that reason and that passion uh, to change and to decide to make this change. Do, do you agree with that or have other thoughts, Ed? No, I agree. I think one thing I do want to bring up on this on this podcast is that I don't think the DSO is the problem, Docs. I, I yeah. really think it comes down to what you can do. I mean, the DSOs are doing something that any person in business would do. They're taking advantage of market conditions. Right. What we're trying to convey to you guys is that you can make a choice. You can either basically make an opportunity to change your organization so you can be you know, a much stronger position in the market, or you can simply give up and basically have people buy you at much lower rates. Now, I know that's kind of tying into a whole different podcast we're talking about, but the reality is that unless doctors are going to make an effort to basically make a change that's going to allow them to have sustainable opportunities for their practice to be worth something, or for that matter, to create business policies or to create business operations in their particular practice that allows them to grow the value of their practice without them being the sole emphasis of that particular practice, they're going to run into some challenges for themselves. And more importantly, that's what Matt and I are just trying to challenge all of you out there to do is to kind of, you don't have to basically look at being the DSO as the villain in this whole equation. Right. The issue is that we're just trying to empower you with the ability to kind of look at things that, that can give you the opportunity so that you're not put in a position to be basically selling your practice for a song, or more importantly, that you're going to be able to look at how you can actually do things right now to make a tremendous change. Yeah. So you're not going to have to face some of the realities that we're currently seeing in the market right now. Absolutely. Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Certainly don't want to vilify the DSO because the DSO, it, you know, many times the DSO is, is led by an executive team that is not hamstrung with the challenges that the solo owner doctor have. 
most of the time they're business folks and they're just yeah. looking at this like a business where the solo owner doctor is looking at this as their life's work. And it certainly yeah. is. They're right. looking at it as this is my value in the world. This is my hands in people's mouths and restoring them is yeah. my you know purpose and my meaning or my source of income. And that's a, that's a challenge, right? It's a challenge to change that mindset. It's a noble profession. We're certainly saying that right. but the DSO is bringing these business concepts and this enterprise value to the table because they're they're one step removed from it really being you know um their identity right would you agree with that yeah i would i would and i think that's what we're trying to teach you we're trying to teach you to be how can you think of your company or your practice as some enterprise value like there are some things you can do in a smaller practice to start thinking of your practice believe it or not, like a business. I think yeah. that's the funny thing I always find so so strange for doctors to actually admit to. You run a business, you know, yeah. I, I, and we're just trying to get you to understand that there are some things you can do to affect that so you're not put in a position where you're, you're, a, vicar, you're a victim of the market conditions right now. And yeah. the reality is that if we're going to basically help you or at least be a guide for you to understand this, you have to understand and make a decision this is where it gets probably the most difficult for doctors to make a decision to say that, okay, maybe what they're talking about for this solo practicing environment, maybe this idea of simply worrying about just producing more, you know, in less time or producing more for myself and not thinking of it as a company and simply driving it through my own ability may not be the best long-term decision-making for me. That's what we're trying to say. And more importantly, there are some tangible things that we can offer for you to think about doing that will definitely create more transformation. So you're not going to be a victim to being the ownership trap that some of you are right now. Yeah, perfect. Well, let's get actionable right now. So there's a couple of things that we talked about, kind of a quick start guide. Where would you start if you were in that solo owner doctor and you have Mm -hmm. been there and you've decided to re-engineer that practice? What are some actionable things that you can give them? Well, the first number one tangible thing I would say, we've heard it time and time again on these podcasts, is I'd really start focusing more on hygiene. I think that's the one missing component that so many doctors do. They tend to think themselves, well, I'm going to take the next uh, implant class, or I'm going to get the CBCT in my office, or I'm going to get sleep apnea in my practice offerings. But what I would implore you all to do is look at what the advantages to dental practice would be, and that is your hygiene program. Your hygiene program literally is a lifeblood for your practice. I don't care what practice you have, whether it's a large one or a small one, your hygiene is your annuity in the business. Meaning that these are the people who continually come through your practice, continually come back and allow you to do more dentistry. So why shouldn't you be focusing on something that literally drives the entire economy of a dental practice? Mm -hmm. So what I would say, the first number one thing you do is how can you go about formulating a, basically a hygiene program that allows you to kind of grow the capacity? Meaning that how can you go about finding more and more ways for more hygiene to come into your practice, not to inundate you and to overwhelm you, but to simply essentially make a program that allows you to value it so that when people come in through that particular venue of the hygiene program, that number one, that you have hours that meet the needs of your patients and what they want. You're designing a practice that's well-supported by well-meaning and strong team members who provide both hygiene services and administrative services to support that hygiene. And more importantly, understand that once you do that, you're going to have to find ways to basically grow the footprint of your practice, meaning that mm-hmm. as you get successful with a hygiene program, that does mean you're going to have to hire more people, more hygienists. You're going to have to extend hours or days to accommodate that because when you grow the hygiene, you grow the desire and attraction of your practice. That's what's going to happen as a byproduct of this all. Perfect. Yep. So start thinking about hygiene, how to expand it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but also uh, what I'm hearing you say, just to reiterate, you're going to now create a problem in your right. practice. And I think, um, I think that kind of gets to our second uh, right. yeah. actionable item here, right, Ted? Absolutely, yeah. So the second one would be, and this is something that's a little bit of business talk, so bear with me. The second thing is trying to create in your company or your practice scalable systems. Scalable meaning that systems that allow you to grow the company, meaning that you're trying to find things that are replicable and predictable that you can do that becomes something that becomes actionable with your team to do again and again and again. For example, let's say, for example, you grow that hygiene team, right? And with that one hygienist, you've got, you know, great support. You've got ways to fill her lanes, way to fill her appointment. What you're going to start to find is you grow that hygiene department. You're going to have new patients coming in. You're going to have more recall patients coming in, which means you're going to be having more patients than she can accomplish. However, what you found out in that initial system is that you've got a successful method of how she sees patients or he sees patients. You've got a successful method of how she's supported. You've got a successful method of how people get appointed. Now you need to replicate that system to a second hygienist potentially. So use your successes to your advantage. Find ways to replicate that particular system that works so well so you can then put it into another lane of hygiene. Meaning that this is that scalability I talked about. Meaning that you've identified something that works extremely well in your practice. Now your job is to figure out ways to replicate and basically scale that so the company can grow yet still create the same level of care for the patient, same level of success in terms of experience for the patient so that the company is able to take advantage of that by basically creating the same level of patient care you've done in the first go around, so to speak. So that's the second thing. That's, so that's a one example, but built into that example is that there's many different things in that system I talked about. When I say scalable, replicable systems, it's not gonna just be hygiene, right? You're gonna need more people to answer phone calls, right? You're gonna be needing more assistance to help support more patients coming through hygiene. And then built into that comes another challenge, right? You're probably gonna need more doctors. This is where I talk about the idea of you're gonna need someone else to be doing those hygiene checks. You're gonna be someone else to do the dentistry coming out of those hygiene checks. So that's that system I'm talking about built into this scenario where you're gonna basically have more success as a doctor. You're going to have to build in ways for you to basically scale or grow the company using systems that are tried and true, but simply replicating it so it becomes a system which can be done again and again and again as the company grows. Yeah. And, you know, if I was sitting down with any business out there, you know, on the planet um, and we were talking about how to grow and scale the business, we would sit down and basically just on a whiteboard or on a sheet of paper, just draw a little X, Y chart. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and if the X axis is, you know, high revenue producing um, uh, opportunities in your business and the Y axis uh, is highly replicable, right? Meaning it doesn't require specialization, but so it's easy to repeat. It's easy to train. And we went through that business and we started charting out different ways that the business created revenue. We would plot them on that access. And what we're looking for is the sweet spot of a nice revenue source Mm -hmm. that is repeatable, is trainable, and is not based on specialization. And so the reason we talk about hygiene so much is because we've kind of done that work, right? If we were to plot it out in the dental practice, we would say that focusing on hygiene and, you know, what, you know, I would call crown and bridge dentistry, not Mm -hmm. trying to get too, you know, much into cosmetics and, you know, implant, all that stuff's good. That's fine to have, but it's just, it's, it's pushing us 
further out of that Y axis and making us more and more focused on specialization. And so, so do that for your practice. Sit down and draw a little X, Y, where the X is high revenue and the Y is easily trainable, repeatable, and you can start charting things out in the practice. And again, just to kind of rush to the end, we've done that, right? That, that's why this model is the one that you focus on because that, that repeatable hygiene is what drives everything else. Um, talk about kind of the third, Cedric, yeah. uh, the third thing that we were talking about is the real goal of these highly repeatable systems is right. to do what for the solo owner doctor? This should be the focus. Yeah, so the, the real goal essentially is that how you design a business that gets you out of being the focal point of the business, meaning that you're working more on the business than in the business. As you develop these systems of being replicable and scalable, what you're going to find out is that you need to be focusing on that in order for you to basically have control over making the enterprise value much more valuable and sustainable for the long run. So what you're going to find is that you need to start to develop your system. You might not jump out of the chair immediately. Like we keep talking about getting out of the chair is not an immediate event, but you're gonna to have to develop a system and a business that is gonna be able to create these systems of scalability and replicable environments so that you can basically get yourself out of the equation, meaning that you're not part of that equation of being that person who has to be replicated. You can actually create a system that replicates your contribution as a dentist in there. And you have to understand how do I find ways that I can now bring in other doctors and other team members into my business to allow me to focus on creating the scalability because that's the biggest challenge I do find with doctors is that they do find ways to get more productive, sorry, more predictable. They do find ways to scale, but unless along that journey, you're developing a means so that you can focus more on the enterprise value and focus more on creating better operations and better business, that's where it becomes still an ownership trap, right? Because yeah. we see it time and time again where we have highly successful group practices with doctors who are unable to leave the chair because they have convinced themselves that unless I'm in the chair, unless I'm in here, the value of the organization is not going to be as great as it would be. And my challenge to them would be, well, I honestly would tell you, you're probably still the bottleneck because at the end of the day, the practice still depends greatly upon you to show up and still do dentistry, which doesn't allow the enterprise value to truly be what it probably could be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, as we were preparing for this podcast, we came up with another podcast we'll be doing you know, shortly to talk about that, the leap out of the chair and the challenge of it's not just one day you just jump out, but there really is. It's like it's like jumping the Grand Canyon. Uh, and so you need to build a bridge across it. You have to build an infrastructure, you know, to be able to support it and to be able to do that. So, uh, well, I think those are great said. Uh, I hope folks can kind of see that as uh, a quick start uh, for them and their thinking and then just some real actionable items for them to start thinking about re-engineering that practice. I'm going to add a fourth here and we kind of jokingly yeah. said it, you know, earlier uh, on the podcast, but this is not something that you have to do alone. This is a tried and true model. You know, I was, I was listening to uh, a speech given by Jack Welch, uh, who was uh, just a, you know, a business guru. I think he was IBM, wasn't he? Um, and uh, was uh, oh, GE, 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 I'm sorry. GE, he was yeah. GE. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. He was GE. And he said, you know, he said, everybody's looking for the next new innovative idea. And he said, the problem that they miss is that they miss innovating in their own field. 
Like the, mm -hmm. and innovation is really, how do you do something that everybody else is doing or that you've always been doing, but how do you do it better? How do you do right. more of it? How do you do it right. more efficiently? That's where to focus on innovation. It's not right. trying to go out and create an, a whole new, you know, uh, revolutionary thing. It's just doing what right. you do and doing it better. And so yep. there are people, there are people out there uh, who have done this and it's, you know, really one of the things that has led us to, as we've done this podcast and interacted with folks to be excited about offering a solution to help folks, some coaching in this, we call it next level Academy. We'll be launching it very, very soon. So we want you guys to, to pay attention to that. Um, and when we do, our real goal is to say, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let us give you the playbook and the roadmap um, because this is not, um, we're not talking about going to Mars <laughs> we're, we're and, and, and having to create an entire new playbook. It, we're really yeah. talking about, you know, how do you do uh, the best that you can do in your local community? And, you know, one of the things that I love about dentistry said is that the marketplace is humongous. I mean, there's 300 and mm -hmm. I don't know what, 370, 370 million people in the United States, right? So that's 370 million sets of teeth. You know, uh, people say all the time, does this work in a small town? Does this work in a large town? It's like, yes, how all of those sets of teeth need care. They need health care. Yep. Right. right. Uh, and everybody needs it. So uh, so we're excited to, to roll that out for you and, and want folks uh, uh, to really get the help that they need. You don't have to make it up on your own, do you, Said? No, you don't. Exactly. You know, I think that's the biggest thing I can provide. I think one of the ideas that I want to, to really come out of this podcast with, with Matt and I is that we really want to help people out there. I mean, that's one of the things I've been very hopefully open about is that, man, if I can save you guys from some of the mistakes and some of the failures I made to make your life a little better, then that would be incredibly fulfilling for me because, you know, like I always said, I, you know, I had some great mentors and great people who allowed me to kind of, you know, learn from my mistakes and more importantly, guide me in the right direction. Direction. And if I can be that for any of you and I can help you in your own journey, I, I would love that opportunity. So yeah, I really look forward to, to meeting with some of you and to, to kind of taking this where we, we know it will create some great value in people's lives. And so I'm excited about where we're heading with it. Yeah, we thought long and hard about the structure of, you know, some type of coaching and, and, and help. Uh, and it's, gonna, it's going to, Next Level Academy is going to have several um, different kind of um, modes of interaction, some, some teaching from Seth and I, it's going to have some direct coaching, it's going to have a community element where you connect with other doctors in the program from around the country, it's going to have some, uh, some masterminding, some getting together outside of our dental practices and, and even outside of, you know, hotel conference rooms, but, you know, maybe getting out in the wilderness around a campfire and, Absolutely. And talking about life and, and practice and those kinds of things. So we thought long and hard about the structure. We'll be rolling that out just in the next couple of weeks. We'll be letting you know what that's going to look like. Uh, and we're excited uh, to, to see how that helps. And we're excited to see places that maybe we've missed it and that you guys can help us know how to help you uh, even more because that really is the goal here. So, so said great, great podcast, man. I think it's a great episode. Uh, thanks so much as always for your uh, experience share uh, and your knowledge. And uh, for all the listeners out there, we're so glad that you tuned in. Please interact with us. Go over to Facebook to the Dental Sherpa's Basecamp. Uh, join up there and our private group. Uh, you can get some, uh, some info and interact with us uh, a little bit there. So said, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Really look forward to interacting with you guys. So, uh, you know, please, please reach out. We look forward to talking to you all.